Welcome to Across the Desk, where we discuss entrepreneurship, small business, and everything in between. So welcome to Across the Desk. My name is Elizabeth Plouffe, and I'm here today with my guest of honor, Lady Boss Supreme, Noreen Jones. Hello. <laughs> and Noreen's phoning in today because um, she has a bit of a headache. She has a bit of a lady boss. Sorry, I'll live. I know you will. Um, we can't use our normal solution. Um, that's another story. But anyway, so Noreen is my guest today um, for a variety of reasons. One, we've been friends for a number of years, and she's a fantastic entrepreneur. So she's been a, an amazing support to me um, in my entrepreneurial journey. And she just, Noreen's very much a kick-ass and take names kind of lady, which is awesome. And when you can add lady into that sentence, you know somebody's doing something right. So I'll give you a little bit of, uh, little bit of background because coming up, Noreen is going to be a guest at the Women in Tech Ballsy meetup. What day does that, Noreen? It is a Tuesday, October 25th. October 25th. So it's coming up. It's coming up quick. That's 11 days away. That's crazy. Sure. Okay. <laughs> It's, be it's longer than tomorrow, so no urgency. What's that? I said it's longer away than tomorrow, so no urgency. Very, very true. Very true. Um, so Noreen Jones is currently the uh, CEO, president, chief, chief lady boss of PowerVac Services in Hamilton. And while that might mean might not mean much to most people, the fantastic thing about that is that it's a very unique industry that is very male dominated and Noreen is very much a pioneer as far as uh, taking on that kind of role successfully and being able to not only be a successful entrepreneur and small business owner well medium-sized business owner but to be very well respected and um, looked up to within so for power we'll go back to that in a second um, within her industry and so she's been, she was the general manager for two years before she became the head lady boss of PowerVac Services and operations manager for nine years before that. So she knows her way around the floor. And for 10 years, she was in the automotive industry as a service and body shop manager, correct? Correct. Correct. So she's always been a bit of a trailblazer because none of these industries are traditionally female driven which is kind of crazy or, or even many of them don't even dabble in the female persuasion for employees most of the time which is so weird uh, having said that uh, you know you have to wonder if that's interest driven or industry driven so that's another story um i think it depends for i, I think for the most part for the management level positions uh people either don't think to apply to them because they don't think the skills that they have necessarily transfer over. Just like there are not so many female uh, automotive technicians or mechanics. Yeah. True. Very true. Um, you know, they, and so the automatic assumption is to manage them. You need to have been on the floor, which is not true. No, that's very true. Um, and we'll, we'll finish up your introduction with this, this last little bit, because on top of, Noreen being a very, very busy business owner. Um, she's also been with Girl Guides of Canada as a leader or involved with the organization for 14 years and has fulfilled a variety of roles. 
um, from leader um, all the way up to you were a community camp organizer, the, the semi-chief poobah of that. Now having been, I think you're going into your second or third year? Third year. Third year as the administrative community leader, which is yes. the, uh, the head of a community, what's it called? Community 21? Yes. Community 21, which encompasses a large area of, uh, of the Hamilton area in Ontario. And so for that, once again, she's, she's a leader within the role that she helps to mentor and organize and what have you. Um, I think there's almost 100 units in our area, which is one of the biggest communities in Ontario. It's also close to 200 guiders, though, right? Um, I, I can't That's remember it. how many guiders. A lot. A lot yeah. of guiders. When I was working for Girl Guides of Canada, which is where Noreen and I met, I started back in 2007. So we've known each other now nine years. And I started out as uh, Noreen's staff support. And I that changed fairly quickly as far as developing into a, a friendship because we both sort of recognized strong personalities in one another. And then we also did uh, some camps together where we were the cooks for the camps. And there's a variety of stories we could share about that. But um, one of the fantastic things about our friendship, in addition to the professional respect, is uh, just the ability to be ourselves, which is a hard thing to do in this day and age. And, you know, we don't mind poking the bear on either side yeah. and, and enjoying the response. So, <laughs> And I was going to say without, without judgment, but that's not really, um, I wouldn't necessarily say without judgment. I guess it depends what your connotation of judgment is. But without, without negative judgment. Say that again? Without judging each other? No, I mean, I think we do. I don't know if judgment is the right word, but I think that we can um, be honest about how we see whatever the other person is doing okay. without feeling like we're going to be judged harshly for that. <laughs> A little more harshly than the other person can stand. Yes. So, I mean, other people, other people might judge us harshly, harshly for what we do, but well, that's I'll okay. share a, a quick funny story that sort of puts this all into perspective because Noreen also belongs to the women in entrepreneurship group that I, uh, that I found and called Ballsy. And while she has issue with the name, she firmly believes in the principle, which is fantastic. And one of the things our relationship is predicated on is uh, an understanding of each other's strengths and weaknesses when it comes to sleep. And we were at a camp together and um, I don't do well with little sleep and Noreen is amazing with little sleep. She just powers through and, and gets her done. And I tend to get a little bit cranky. And um, she was one of the reasons I couldn't sleep at one camp and because uh, she likes to chitter chatter and stay up late. I just kind of keep going on for 24 hours at a time. Yeah, you can. I, I can't really, Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my my fun. batteries don't run out. <laughs> and uh, and the next morning, um, she decided to uh, to poke the bear. And needless to say, there was some there was some blue in the air that didn't have to do with our uniforms. And I um, I used some foul language in front of some other leaders. No girls, all leaders. But the other leaders that were there basically stopped and waited for <laughs> the next apocalypse based on the exchange. And Noreen was laughing so hard she had to hold herself up. So 
it was a it was a lot of fun and i and I, with a great deal of respect is is why that happened because if i didn't respect noreen then you know i wouldn't have had that conversation with her but um to get back to the the reason for today um noreen uh took over her family business powerback services hamilton uh, a year and a half ago when unfortunately her father passed away and uh, passed the torch and but you had been a huge part of getting the organization to where it is today. Would that be fair to say? Yes. Um, when I came to the organization 13 years oh. ago or however long it's been now, I can't remember even, but um, 2004, beginning of 2004, I came. We had, the company had been growing, but had reached a point where it was just unmanageable uh, with the current amount of work that we had with the number of staff managing the work. And as I was already in a management position, my dad thought that it would be a good idea that I join him in the business. Mm -hmm. I didn't share that same thought process at the beginning. It took him probably three or four years to convince me to actually come to his business. And um, I, grudgingly accepted the position uh, because I knew at the time that I needed to make a change, whether it was to come and work for him or, or go work for someone else. In the, yeah. I wasn't going to stay at the uh, dealership where I was. I knew it was, the writing was on the wall. I needed to make a change. And I had several offers at the time. So I decided it was the right time for me to try dabbling with my dad's business and see if it was a good fit. And I told him that I'd give him six months and because I was very nervous about coming into a family setting that also was a work setting. Uh, it generally doesn't work out for a lot of people. Mm. So I was really nervous about that, but I said, okay, we'll do this. I'll give you six months. We'll give it a try. And if you don't like the way things are going, you say so and you carry on with the business but I don't like the way things are going I'll say so and I'm out of here and you do whatever you want after that and I'll carry on with the business that I was in which I also really loved mm -hmm. I I kind of have a, a huge soft spot for non-traditional roles I guess so I, I really liked being in the automotive industry it's a very interesting industry um not always conducive to low stress living, but <laughs> I don't think really you were conducive to low stress living. No, probably not. But I, it was really enjoyable, and there's a lot of things that I actually miss very much about it. But I still have friends in it, thing, so I can still. Hang on, sorry, sorry, hang on. Something's sorry. Something just automatically started, which shouldn't have. Sorry. Sorry. So I get to dabble from time to time, and we have trucks in our fleet so I still get to kind of keep my hand in things slightly but um, I gave him six months and I never left and I've been here ever since and I really really love what we do. You made a really valid point there and there's a, a friend of mine Laurel Hubber who runs um, Hubber Consulting and what she does is family business mediation and a lot mm -hmm. of family businesses don't have the courage to have that conversation and that frankness that you and your dad had where yeah. put a time limit and an expectation on, you know, how this is going to roll. And it makes a massive difference. I think that was one thing that, that we were very good at. My dad and I could talk openly and very honestly about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. 
and I quit several times in the last 13 years and <laughs> last <laughs> because he would drive me nuts about different things. He never quit, but I quit several times. Yeah. So, and promptly drove away in my company truck. So, <laughs> Um, doesn't have the same impact when that happens. Kind of like slamming the door and it pops back open on you? Yes. So, you know, there were times when when things just boil over frustration-wise, but fortunately for both of us, we're not the grudge-holding types and could just kind of come back to work the next day and let it roll on and you know sometimes it meant that we had to actually take a look at whatever the thing was that incited the riot the day before but um most of the time we worked rather harmoniously which is amazing well and that has a lot to do so yesterday noreen and i had um, an interesting conversation and i'm in the process for my business um, of developing which i already sort of know but developing my why and part of that is the research that I've done with Simon Sinek and um, his book that I'm, I'm trying to read. And I'll be completely honest with you. It's, it's one of the harder business reads I've had where he talks about how your why should drive your business and, and what you strive towards and what you achieve. And Noreen is one of the bigger hearted women that I've ever met who, if you're in trouble, if you need a helping hand, if you're an underdog, she's there for you. You have to be honest in that. If you try and bullshit, she will rip you a new hiney. But, well, am I, am I lying? I'm not lying. But, I don't know. I, I've never considered myself particularly big-hearted. Oh, my grant. Anyway, we'll go on to that. That'll be an off-the-record conversation. But um, Noreen will help anybody who honestly needs it as best as she can. And that's evidenced by her... Um, very long career with Girl Guides of Canada and her activities in her local church and what have you. And in business, um, I've had the pleasure of not only um, having to use Noreen's services, my mom's basement was devastated by the flood a few years ago. And Noreen's team came in and were absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, my mom's over 70 and, and that can be intimidating on both sides to have strange men in your house and to be dealing with a senior citizen and what have you. And her guys were just fantastic. They were so patient and so professional, explained everything to my mom the way she needed to hear it. And, um, and, but I joked with them about, you know, what would happen if they didn't do a good job. And we, we joked about them being afraid of Noreen and that's not the case. She is a person from a business perspective who's really clear in her expectations of her employees and communicates those very clearly, which I think goes a long way to uh, having good behavior in the field. I mean, and that's, that sounds, it's not exactly what I meant, but professional behavior. Well, in the field. And sometimes I wonder if it's kind of like when you're a kid and um, you know, when you say, uh, just wait till this happens or wait till that happens or wait till your father gets home. There's no clear threat if you said, if, you know, if you don't do this, I'm grounding you for a week. You know what the punishment is yeah. and you can weigh out whether it's worth it or not. Yeah. Where yeah. I'm not sure what, when you don't know what the punishment might be, your brain can conjure up all sorts of things that might happen to you. Yeah. I've never, yeah. I've never had occasion particularly to punish one of my guys I've, I've had to reprimand some uh, for different things, but um, I've never, you know, it, I think we all have 
things where we have to discipline employees over time, mm-hmm. but um, never for never very often, thankfully. And um, I think from an employment perspective, there's not a whole, I, I can't take them out back and beat them with a rubber hose. Well, you I, can, but you just the, can't get caught. Right. But the most that I can really, really do is take away their paycheck, right? I can suspend them or they're not working for a couple of days or whatever. I can sanction them that way. But I don't, as an employer, I don't, I think employees forget, you don't really have a whole lot of leverage. All I can do is take away their opportunity to earn money. That's really all I can do. But that's I think the bigger issue though, or the bigger, not issue, but um, the bigger thing is you're one of those bosses who will follow through. And I think that's the huge difference. You're fair. Um, Noreen shared a story that happened um, and I won't go into the details just so it doesn't compromise anything, but she took the time to listen to both sides of the story. And that to me spoke volumes about how she engages um, as an entrepreneur and, and a business owner and, you know, the, not the big hearted, but the professional way in which she engages for management um, of the employees. And a lot of organizations don't do that. They don't give the employees the respect they deserve. And you give your guys um, many opportunities to not only earn that, but re-earn it if something goes sideways. And I, I also had the pleasure of uh, hosting one of Noreen's teams for a training last year in my business center. And... I mean, the guys walked in, and I, to be honest with you, it was a raggle-taggle bunch of guys, typical for the industry that you're in. And I thought, hmm, what's going to go on with this? And every single one of them were fantastic guys. I mean, just honest to goodness, hardworking, polite, nice guys who truly appreciated the opportunity that Noreen was providing. She's a huge believer in, in education and and we had that conversation in Ballsy as well about how you empower your staff and believe in, in education. And But I know how it feels to not be valued and to not be empowered to do anything. Yeah. And um, I think when you feel unempowered, you don't feel valued as an employee and you're more likely to leave. Agreed. So um, I want my people to feel like they matter to me because they really do. Because without them, my business isn't worth anything. It's not harder to run anyway when you're, you know, sending out empty trucks. If I don't have anybody (laughs) to do the work, I mean, I could hire anybody, right? But that doesn't mean they're going to do the work the way it should be done or the way I expect it to be done or, um, you know, even be capable of doing the work unless they've got the right training and so on. And our industry tends to be really difficult to hire good people with good knowledge. So I really prefer to hang on to those that I have that have those skills and and uh, values that value. we take, you know, that are important for us as a company. So I have... Uh, the values especially. The values especially. It's important for me. Agreed. Agreed. And I'm, of course, my son's calling me when I've told him that I'm, anyway, we're just going to ignore that. Because um, you can, you can train anyone, but you can't teach values uh, once they're, I mean, you can to, ch- to children, but in an employment setting, I don't think you can, no. you, you come with a certain set of core values and you can't teach them. So. I agree. And that's, that's one thing you were talking about the industry. So we just need to clarify for a minute, because we're going to jump into the main um, reason. I just want to give you some background about Noreen, but the, describe for, for the folks a little bit about what you do. 
Um, so 50 years ago, the company started simply as a, a duct cleaning company, cleaning commercial and industrial and residential uh, uh, heating and ventilating systems. And when asbestos started to be something that was no longer being used and was determined to be something that needed to be removed, mm-hmm. and they were starting to need to generate negative air pressure on job sites and so on because we had big vacuum trucks and vacuum knowledge and things like that we got involved in a lot of asbestos abatement projects and then eventually became involved in the abatement industry itself and so now a very large part of our business is doing uh, environmental hazardous materials removal so things like asbestos removal lead mold animal contaminant yeah vermiculite we do a lot a lot of vermiculite removal that's a that's really um i would say that's almost a specialty for our company there are a lot of other contractors Pardon me? The vermiculite is a specialty? Yes, the vermiculite. There are a lot of other abatement contractors who actually defer to us. On, well, very and cool. they, just, they just turn their customers over to us for that. So one of the, so the, one of the reasons I, I needed Noreen is that, uh, to explain that is that she's in a very unusual um, industry for a woman. And she's told me stories before about climbing in and out of addicts and you know the, the variety of tools she has to bring with her and she's a bit fearless that way which is very awesome to see and one of the things we started talking about was uh, perceptions within a unique industry and this is why this is pertinent to the women in tech group because women in tech is still unfortunately uh, a smaller component than it should be and Noreen can really um, speak to that. I mean, I'm in a, a relatively traditional industry for women, being communications and event planning and all that kind of stuff, because that's where my strengths lie. Um, and so one thing we started to chat about was how our own, this might get a little convoluted, but how our own perceptions of how other people might see us can impact or limit our behavior. And so one thing Noreen and I started talking about was how if you're walking into a situation where women are not traditional in that role, you may assume that if you make a mistake or you don't know a certain thing or what have you, you're going to be judged more harshly because you've got to, you know, I was going to, because you're not. Or, or judged, yeah, or judged that you don't know it simply because you're a woman. Exactly. And, and a few of the things that we started talking about um, was if you are in a, a non-traditional role. I mean, as an entrepreneur, both of us, I mean, we, we talked about this yesterday as well. I mean, entrepreneurs, I believe, it's growing, absolutely, but entrepreneurs make up only 10% of the, the working population. So right away, you're already in a, a small group. And then if you look at the percentage that are women, um, it gets even smaller. So we talked about the, um, depending on the audience, um, I was fortunate to um, to be with Noreen at the tail end of, of an industry event and saw the way the engagement happened. And from my perspective, from an outsider's perspective, um, everybody was taken at their word for their skill. There was no judgment by anybody there and, you know, and they all knew each other. Plus you have a, a position with the industry on a committee, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. So, but when you're walking into a situation where the audience is not familiar with what you're doing and it is perceived as a stereotypical male role, 
then that's a completely different bundle of vermiculite that you're dealing with. Yes. So we went on, um, and it was more so about the fact that women may perceive the necessity to put on a bit of battle gear and um, not elevate their position. That's not the right thing, but strive even harder than most would to make sure that that perception of a lack of knowledge or um, inappropriateness in the role doesn't happen. Yeah. I, and I, I go to a lot of um, construction site visits and that's where it happens most or I feel, I feel that others might judge me as inadequate for the job. Just solely based on being a woman. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, well, having said that, it used to be because I was quite young. Um, I was relatively young when I came into this job. So I was young and I was a woman. And the same thing happened when I took my first management job at a, a car dealership. I was only 27. So here I am running a, um, managing a department in a car dealership that is a very traditional uh, role for males. Uh, the whole industry is very male dominated, mm -hmm. but the body shop especially is a, a very um, heavily male dominated area of the business. And really almost, I would say, considered sort of taboo for women to be uh, part of, let's say, the, anything other than the receptionist. Yeah. Perhaps not so much now, but uh, it was almost unheard of for any women to be in the body shop side of things like I was. And even as a service manager, when I would go to the service manager meetings with all the other dealership service managers, I was the only woman out of 30 of them. Did you ever find that they treated you differently or was it more? And, and I'm, I'm hinging this on. I don't It's been so long. Um, and again, I'm, many of the service managers came from a technical background. It's, it is considered normal in that industry to hire from the floor and promote somebody from within because it, it is believed that a service manager needs to be a mechanic. Mm -hmm which is totally untrue because your job is actually to manage people. It's the people that are fixing the cars who need to be mechanics, not the people who are managing the people. Right. You certainly have to have a mechanical aptitude and you have to understand a lot about cars, which can be taught, but it's much easier to learn that stuff than it is to learn how to manage people. Very true. So um, I didn't have any problem with the managing people part. And I, I didn't have any, you know, have a, fairly mechanical aptitude and was an avid learner and would spend hours whenever I had the chance having any of my techs teach me anything they cared to teach me. So, you know, I learned very quickly a lot about things and, and didn't like to not know when a customer asked me questions. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to know whether I was tried on because I was a woman or because I was very young or because I didn't have a mechanical background. So I guess I don't know the answer to the question. And um, I felt probably really exposed and vulner vulnerable for those reasons, because I was sort of, 
coming at it from all the wrong angles, if you will. Oh, meaning that you weren't so, fitting a traditional role on a, on a multitude of planes. Right, exactly. But then you so, still went on I, to have a very successful 10-year career within that industry. I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. So the, part of the reason that Noreen and I are having this conversation is not, to not only highlight her expertise and um, her unique position within the entrepreneurship and small business industries, um, but again, the, the Women in Tech and Ballsy workshop that's coming up. And I think most female entrepreneurs run into it at some point or another. Um, and that was another thing that we discussed was when I walk into a situation, a networking event or what have you, and the audience there is already all small business owners, it's just assumed that you're a small business owner and it's no big thing, right? But even yeah. I've walked into events and there's probably assumptions made about me that I work for somebody or I work for an organization or what have you. And when I tell, and I, I don't mean to slap anybody down, but when I tell men that I'm an entrepreneur, there's a real divide in the reaction. I mean, it's never overt, but they either lean in or they lean out um, really quickly. And, and women, I, I get that reaction from them as well. Some will lean back because I, maybe they're making assumptions about what I am like as a business owner. Um, and some are like, oh, that's so awesome. You know, tell me about what you're doing and I'll share whatever you want to know. If you have questions about, you know, owning a business or communications or whatever, I mean, feel free to pick my brain. I'd rather share the information with you and maybe empower you to make a decision to open your own business. You know, you see somebody else doing it, maybe you'll, you'll do it too. Um, and I think one of the other things that we talked about was the self-limiting behavior that women in business can do to themselves because we are traditionally, and I'm making a broad statement here, so forgive me if it's too broad, but we are traditionally the rule breakers and the troublemakers and the, the ones that can't stand. Like one of my pet peeves is stupid process. I really, really, really chafe against stupid process or ineffective process or process that prevents positive change. And I understand there's usually a reason behind it, but it makes me bananas. And I asked my husband last night, actually, he's like, yeah. I said, why do you, why do you think I'm an entrepreneur or a small business owner? And, and he supports me. So that's, you know, this is a good thing. But his, his immediate answer was, you don't play well with others. I thought, huh. Okay. I wonder, you know, I wonder what that means. Because... <laughs> I like I'm not sure I agree with that as a generalization, though. No, no. Because that's you have to, if you're a business owner, you have to be able to play well with exactly. others. Exactly. But you have he's to an be... He's employee. So, yeah. so a coach of the team is still part of the team. Exactly. But he's not going out, or she is not going out and doing the, let's call it the grunt work of the team. The grind, right. yeah. Right. He is, or she is um, strategizing and developing processes and, and figuring out how to get the best out of the team. Yes. That's the coach's job. Yes. So yeah. that doesn't make them not a part of the team or not a good team player or anything. So yeah. it just makes them playing on a different plane. 
I agree and with I, that. That's, that's the difference. Yeah, that's, I agree that. And he said, he also said as well that um, there could be a challenge to me becoming a boss conventionally. Um, and I tend to get put in leadership roles regardless of where I am. And it's not something that I seek. It's just, it happens. Right. And then when you say put in, that's, that doesn't, you, you don't get put in a leadership role. You just assume leadership roles because they show up and you take them over. Yeah, I guess so. Right. I mean, I don't ever, I don't ever go into. You don't ever seek them out. Yes. They just, ha they just show up and you're like, yes, I know it's my job. I'll do it. Yes. Because nobody else is qualified or capable or whatever. <laughs> but we're not making that as a broad statement. Um, no, but that's what happens. You automatically get cast as the in the leadership role yeah. because you're well suited and and or you know in the it. you know it, it just happens. I know it happens everywhere I go. Yeah, I enjoy it, and I and that's and, one of the things. And my dad was not like that, and that's probably one of the reasons we work so well together. My dad was not the leadership type. Yeah, uh, that doesn't mean he wasn't um a good boss but he was much more reserved didn't like conflict uh you know so he there were things that he was good at from business perspective mm -hmm. leading people was not one of them which is something that i think most business owners fail to understand the importance of that you can't force people or bully people or make people fearful in order to lead them that's the absolute and, but you also you also can't be completely the other way oh agreed agreed not do things you know when things happen you must must take the bull by the horns at times oh agreed and agreed. that was the thing that my dad particularly was unwilling to do and agreed. i am not <laughs> sometimes i'd be probably seen to be grabbing the bull where it didn't want to be grabbed but <laughs> And you balk at um, balsing for the name of the group. Anyway, moving on. So it's just sometimes you have to. And, and people that are leaders, I think, naturally do because it's something they see needs to be done and they can't leave it undone. Yes, I agreed with that. And that's usually where it comes from for me. It's not that I don't think anybody else can do it or doesn't have the skill to do it or what have you. It's just not getting done. And either the other right. people are unwilling or unable or whatever i'm just like let's just do it like it has to happen right so let's just get her done so annie wrote um so to wrap up a little bit one of the things that um because we're we're getting a little long in the tooth here um we talked about conventional roles and and the change that's happening and a, and a really good example that you gave or analogy was trying to turn a duck in a bathtub versus um a ship and, and size-wise, obviously, you know, if you have a battleship that's the size of the tub, trying to turn it is next to impossible. But if you have a duck, a little rubber duck, you know, you're able to make that change much faster. And that's, that's the difference of being in business for yourself and trying to make change happen within your own organization versus being a very small cog in a large organization where your ability to effect change is somewhat limited. And when you add... And I hate to say it, it's 2016, but I, but, and I hate to say it, but when you also add being a woman in a non-traditional industry, you know, your battleship gets a little bigger. And uh, 
And so I guess that's what we're going to focus on for the workshop is going to be that story, that role, um, and sharing that with, with the people who are in attendance, which is all women. And we're going to work on providing some tools for the, you know, being comfortable with change and sort of stopping from assuming that um, the men around you in your traditional industry are judging or, you know, getting over that self-limiting behavior. And realistically, they don't have to be okay with it. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm quite fine with going ahead with what I think is right, regardless of whether other people are okay with it for the oh, most great. part. But you are, you know, you are the exception, not the rule, right? The vast majority of right. don't like to rock the boat, which is why I'm no longer. For my whole life, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm no longer in, in corporate Canada because I, I my that stupid face, um, I have a really hard time hiding it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting better at it. But, you know, at 46, you'd think by now <laughs> I'd be better, but I'm not. Um, so thank you for joining me, Noreen. You're welcome. I'm going to wrap up. And Noreen's got a bit okay. of a headache, so she needs a... Um, I'm okay now. But I've had three phone calls in the time that we've been on this, so I probably should uh, make sure that I get back to... Who, two of my texts have called me while we've been on this call, so Uh-oh. there's something that needs to be addressed. So Business never stops for the busy woman. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're interested in, uh, in learning more, I'm going to be posting some details in the, in the podcast information here. If you're in the Halton area and you want to come out and meet Noreen and hear her talk, um, I'll have the information there for you to, to come on out. It's going to be at the Ivy October 25th from 7 until 9. And thanks again, my friend. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. 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 So thanks, everybody, for joining me today. Again, this was Across the Desk with Elizabeth Plouffe and my guest, Noreen Jones, who is the CEO and fantastic person from uh, PowerVac Services. And uh, just remember that you have the guts and glory to make your own story. And if you are a uh, female entrepreneur, woman in business, woman working in a uh, non-traditional role, I'd love to hear your story below. And uh, and let me know. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.